I guess I say this every time that I get up here that it is good to be together, but it is. And we need not to take for granted the opportunities that we have to be together. And we need not to take for granted the opportunity or the benefit of having everyone here and the blessing that each one of us is to each other. And so thank you for being here. Thank you for letting me have the opportunity to lead your thoughts tonight. And I hope the things that I have to say are helpful to you tonight. And thank you for sticking out that song, Mark. That's, uh, that's, I love that song, and I'm, I have sung it prettier than that, but I, I do enjoy uh, that. So I appreciate that song. Um, I wish I could turn the kids' ears off for just a minute because I have to make a confession that they don't need to hear. But when I was in school, particularly in college, and cramming for an exam, and I got to that part of the material that I hadn't really been paying a lot of attention to in class, and it was pretty complicated. The temptation for me was just to skip over that section and, well, maybe he wouldn't ask about it on the test. That didn't always work out. Sometimes it did, sometimes it didn't. Sometimes we're tempted to do that when we're studying the Bible. We come upon passages that are difficult to understand and challenging, and maybe we just want to sort of read over them fast and go on to the next passage. One such passage is Hebrews chapter 6, verse 1. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 1 says, Therefore, leaving the first principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on into perfection, not laying again the foundation. <laughs> Hebrews chapter 6, verse 1 says that we need to go on to perfection. That idea of perfection is difficult for us to get our heads around. Because we've all sinned, haven't we? And we will always struggle with temptation as long as we're here on earth. But the Hebrew writer tells us to go on to perfection. And maybe I just could skip over that, but when I come to the passage that Joseph just read for me, in Matthew chapter 5, verse 48, it's Jesus commands us to be perfect as our Father in heaven is perfect. That's even more challenging. Not only do I have to be perfect, i got to be perfect like God. And let me just tell you, that ain't happening. I'm not as perfection. But to understand what Jesus is telling us here <clears throat> and what the writer of Hebrews is telling us is we need to understand the Greek word that is translated perfect. The Greek word perfect is teleos, which means by definition, finished or complete, or full-grown. Jesus is not telling us that we have to be sinless. That is our aim, to be sinless. But what he's telling us that we need to do is we need to be full-grown, or complete, or mature. We need to be mature. Tonight, I want to spend some time talking about this idea of being perfect or complete or mature Christians and look at what the scriptures teach us about the characteristics that should possess our lives as we become mature, complete, and perfect Christians. Again, we're striving for that sinless nature that God has, but we're going to struggle from time to time. But we need to be complete, mature Christians and let's look at some of those characteristics. First off, a mature Christian is able to know and properly apply God's Word. 
A mature Christian, according to the Scriptures, is someone who is able to apply God's Word. Hebrews chapter 5, beginning of verse 11. Hebrews chapter 5, beginning of verse 11. Of whom we have many things to say and hard to be uttered, seeing you are dull of hearing. For when you have the time you ought to be teachers, you have need of that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God, and are become such as have need of milk and not of strong meat. For everyone that uses milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, but for he is a babe. But strong meat belongs to them that are of full age, even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. And so we have this idea of contrast here. The babe or the immature person or the one who is of full age or mature, perfect, complete, finished. The difference there is that then how they understand and are able to apply God's Word. Those who are full age are skillful in the Word. They're able to understand God's Word and apply it to their lives. They're able to approach a difficult verse, a difficult passage, and dissect it and determine the truths in it and to be able to apply those difficult truths to their lives. And notice the results. Notice the results of the one who is of full age. He's able to discern and he's able to teach. First off, for in time you ought to be teachers, you have need of that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracle of God, and are become as such as need of milk and not of strong meat. The person who is not of full age is not ready for the meat of the word. We understand how babies eat. You don't cut up steak and give it to a baby, do you? They can't handle it. You've got to give them that milk, that easily digested food. And as our kids get older and grow, now they're able to handle the meat and the more difficult things to eat. And when they get old enough to eat meat, we're no longer doing the little airplane trick with them, are we? They can eat it by themselves. They have a hunger for it by themselves, and they eat it by themselves. And as we grow and as we mature, we can handle more difficult passages. And we're studying those on our own and growing so that we can understand God's Word. We're not waiting to be taught. We're not waiting for someone to just hand it to me on a platter. No, I have God's Word right here. I have the food that I want, and I've got a hunger for it. And I'm going to be studying that. And as a result, when I get to that, area, that fullness or that completeness and that maturity, I'm able to teach others. Because I have developed my knowledge and understanding of God's Word. Are we striving to grow? Are we striving to get to this place? Or are we just content with the milk of the Word? I'll just take what everybody gives me, and I'll take that, and I won't dig deep. And I won't try to understand God's Word. Turn in your Bibles with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 14. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 20. 20. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 20. Has this idea of where we need to be in our understanding. Brethren, do not be children in understanding. However, in malice be babes, but in understanding be mature. How would you rate your understanding of God's Word? 
Would you rate it as being that of a child? Or would you rate it as someone being mature? We need to be mature in our understanding of God's word. And let me speak to those of us who are parents. As we're teaching our children, we need to teach them to be mature in their understanding of God's word. You know, I'm afraid that a lot of children are given license to just sort of coast through their childhood and teenage years. And they're not pushed by their parents and maybe sadly even the congregation to be mature in their understanding of God's word. To have a hunger for God's word. To desire the meat of God's word as children. There's no reason why a, a young person shouldn't be digging into God's word to understand it. I'm afraid that we focus on socializing our children to the exclusion of teaching our children to really dig in and understand God's word. And so as they get to be time to leave the house and maybe go off to college, they're ripe for the false teaching to come in and sway them because they have not been grounded on God's word. We need to teach our children to be of full age when it comes to their desire for the meat of the word. But furthermore, not only can we now be teachers of God's word because we have developed the maturity of desiring the meat of the word, we also can discern both good and evil. Those who are of full age or mature can now discern both good and evil. They have their their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Are we able to, as perfect or mature Christians, able to discern good from evil? I'm afraid that many times we're not. You talk to someone about an issue. Maybe it's an issue of morality. Maybe it's an issue of the work and, uh, and uh, organization of the church. Maybe it's some other issue. You talk to someone about that. You talk to another Christian about that. And the answer that we get from them is, well, I don't see anything wrong with it. I don't see anything wrong with that. Those who are mature don't say things like, I don't see anything wrong with it. Those who mature understand the scriptures and are able to use the scriptures to explain why something is good or bad. Those who have been uh, feasting on the meat of the word have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. They can apply what they've read to determining what is good and what is evil. There are two things wrong with the statement, I don't see anything wrong with it. First of all, it doesn't matter what I think or what I see or my opinion. It doesn't matter. Second of all, it, uh, <clears throat> our senses can be wrong. We talked about Paul this morning in Acts chapter 22. Paul said, that his conscience was clean and, and clear with God when he was killing Christians. My senses cannot be trained or exercised, and I need to be aware of that. Turn your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 5, verse 20. In Isaiah chapter 5, Isaiah chapter 5, verse 20, tells us that it is possible... <coughs> with what God's Word says. In Isaiah chapter 5, verse 20, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Woe unto them. Woe unto them who don't know any better 
who don't have their senses exercised, who cannot discern both good and evil. Do you see how important it is from this one passage that we be perfect or mature or complete or full-grown as Christians? We need to be complete so that we can teach others. We need to be complete and full-grown and perfect so that we can discern both good and evil. A mature Christian is one who is able to know and properly apply God's Word. Second of all, a mature Christian is someone who is steadfast in their service to the Lord. A mature Christian is someone who doesn't waver. A mature Christian, a perfect Christian, who is someone who is dedicated and determining, determined to serve God no matter what. Look at Ephesians chapter 4 with me. Ephesians chapter 4, beginning in verse 11. <clears throat> Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine, by the slide of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie, they lie in wait to deceive." But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. This passage is talking about being perfect, isn't it? Notice the phrases that are used here. The perfecting of the saints. The perfect man. And finally, that we need to grow up or mature. This is talking about being a perfect Christian. And what is this passage telling us? That when we become a perfect Christian, a mature Christian, what's going to happen? That we'll henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive. We need to make a commitment, if we're going to be perfect Christians, to serve God no matter what. We're not going to be tossed to and fro. We're not going to be hot for the Lord one day and cold the next. We're not going to be on fire one day and then drifting off the next. A perfect or complete Christian is going to be sold out to serving God. Going to be totally dedicated and committed to it. And a perfect and complete Christian, as a result of making this commitment is going to be grounded on what is truth. He's not going to be tossed to and fro with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men. A person who's complete and mature is going to be devoted to God and dedicated. He's not going to believe the false doctrines because they've grown on to that, to being able to handle the meat of the word. And they're going to be immune or, or, or uh, not be tossed to and fro by these false doctrines. Perfect Christians are able to be steadfast in their service to the Lord. Perfect Christians also, as we look at passages that talk about this, are able to control their tongue. Perfect Christians are able to control their tongue. You know, language is difficult, they want to say, and saying the right things. And as children get older and they're able to pronounce words correctly, sometimes they still say things that are inappropriate, don't they? 
They may be trying to make a joke and they say something that's hurt someone's feelings because they just don't understand. They don't have a, a full understanding of how they ought to use their tongue. But I want to tell you that it's difficult for young and immature Christians to use their tongues like they should as well. Look at James chapter 3, beginning of verse 2. James chapter 3, verse 2, beginning. If, for if in many things we offend all, if any man offend not in word, the same is a perfect man and able to bridle the whole body. The tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members, that it defileth the whole body and setteth on fire the course of nature and is set on fire of hell. The tongue can no man tame. It is an unruly evil, full of deadly poison. Therewith bless we God, even the Father, and therewith curse we men, which are made after the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceedeth blessing and cursing, my brethren. These things ought not so to be. James says that if we don't offend, that we're a perfect man. Now some would say, well, there you go. There you go. Nobody's perfect. Nobody is perfect, and therefore nobody is going to be able to use their tongue the right way all the time and every time. Now, if we understood the word perfect to mean that you don't make any mistakes, then maybe that's true. That might be a good explanation. But we know because of what we've been talking about tonight, the idea of being a perfect man means that you're mature or you're complete. And a mature and complete and perfect man does not offend in the way that he uses his tongue. James says that we brethren, he's talking about all the things that people do with their tongues, and he says to the very end here, my brethren, these things ought not so to be. He says, you shouldn't be doing this because you should be a mature, complete person. You should be controlling your tongue and not saying things that you shouldn't say. We need to make sure that we're growing to be mature Christians and that it is, as a result, we're using our tongues like we should. Turn your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 10. Proverbs has numerous instructions for us about how we should use our tongue and numerous passages about how we shouldn't use our tongue. Look at Proverbs chapter 10, verse 20. Proverbs chapter 10, verse 20. The tongue is a very challenging thing to get a hold of. And we have all, sadly, used our tongues in ways that we shouldn't, I'm sure. And we may still struggle with how to use our tongues. We need to work on maturing and using our tongues like we should. Look at Proverbs chapter 10, verse 20. The tongue of the righteous is choice silver. The heart of the wicked is worth little. The heart of a mature Christian, or I'm sorry, the tongue of a mature Christian says things that are valuable. The tongue of the righteous is choice silver. That's something that's precious, isn't it? That's something that's valuable. We talk about the tongue and how much of a bad curse it can be. The proverb writer tells us what a blessing it can be if we use our tongues the right way. And no doubt you have been in contact with people in the past who seem to always have the right words at the right time, who in the heat of the moment said the right thing that was an encouragement and a blessing to you and those that were around you. We need to be that mature Christian who uses our tongue the right way when it counts. Look at Proverbs chapter 12, verse 18. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 18. There is one who speaks like the piercings of a sword, but the tongue of the wise promotes health. 
there's someone who speaks like the piercings of a sword. We have a, a drawer in our house that is the knife drawer. And <clears throat> every time I open that drawer, I get nervous because the knives are just laying in there open. Not in there. And I'm very careful about putting my hand in there because I know there could be some piercing going on in there. If we're not mature in the use of our tongues, it can be just like that knife drawer. We can be walking around and slicing and cutting people that we're around. If we don't use our tongues carefully, that's how dangerous it is. There's one who speaks like the piercings of the sword, but notice what it says. The tongue of the wise promotes health. A mature Christian is going to be one who promotes health, who promotes the well-being of those who he or she is around. Helpful. We need to be like that as mature Christians. And then turn to Proverbs chapter 21 and look at verse 23. Proverbs chapter 21, beginning of verse 23. Whoever guards his mouth and tongue keeps his soul from troubles. We're going to have to guard our mouth and our tongue. We're never going to get to the point where we don't have to give thought to what we say and how we say it. We're going to have to guard our tongue. And there are going to be times when we're just going to have to bite our tongue and keep our mouth shut. Because saying what we think we want to say isn't the right thing to say. It isn't the appropriate thing to say. There are a lot of times when Nikki tells me I just need to keep my mouth shut. I need not to say what I'm thinking about saying that I've told her I'm thinking about saying. I just need to keep my mouth shut because it's not the right thing. And we need to be that way. We need to be careful. A mature Christian will keep a guard on his mouth and his tongue. But notice now what the proverb writer says about the immature person. The person who does not have any concern about how he or she uses his or her tongue. Look at Proverbs 29 verse 11. Proverbs 29 verse 11. A fool vents all his feelings, but a wise man holds them back. You ever known anybody like that? <clears throat> you ever known somebody that you didn't have to wonder what they were thinking because they told you what they were thinking? There was no governor. There was no restraint. It just came out. The proverb writer says that's a fool or an immature or an imperfect person who does that. But a wise man or a mature man holds back his thoughts and he's careful about saying things without thinking it through. Look at Proverbs chapter 12. Verse 22, Proverbs chapter 12, verse 22. Proverbs 12, 22. Lying lips are an abomination to the Lord, but those who deal truthfully are His delight. The immature person, the one who's not perfect, is not going to use care in making sure that he is speaking the truth. He doesn't care about that. He'll speak whatever he needs to speak. And he doesn't care about the truth. And finally, look at Proverbs 16, verse 28. Proverbs 16, verse 28. A perverse man sows strife, and a whisperer separates the best of friends. We've talked about gossip before. We've talked about the sin of whispering. A perfect and mature person does not engage in gossip because we understand the danger that can come from that. And so... Perfect, mature Christians control their tongue. And as we look at what the Scriptures teach about perfect or mature Christians, 
perfect and mature Christians are able to love even their enemies. This gets us back to the passage that Joseph <clears throat> led us through in the beginning, Matthew chapter 5, beginning verse 43. <clears throat> you have heard that it has been said, Thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. But I say unto you, Love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you, that you may be the children of your Father which is in heaven. For he maketh his son to rise on the evil and on the good, and sendeth rain on the just and the unjust. Be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father which is in, is in heaven is perfect. Jesus says we have to love even those who don't love us. We have to love even those who are trying to do us harm. And that's not easy. That's not easy. That requires someone who is mature, someone who is perfect, like our Father in heaven. Someone who is perfect like our Savior, Jesus, who walked this earth and dealt with people who were trying to do Him harm in ways that no one has ever tried to do us harm, by the way. Turn your Bibles to Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5. For a description of how Jesus dealt with those who were trying to do Him harm. Romans chapter 5, beginning of verse 28. I'm sorry, verse 6. Romans 5, beginning of verse 6. Romans 5, verse 6. For when we were still without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet perhaps for a good man someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were at odds with God, while we were living in ways that were in open rebellion to God, Jesus died for us. Can you love those who are doing you bad? Can you love those who are hurting you? Jesus did. And we must as well. Turn back to Luke chapter 23. Look at Luke chapter 23. Start at verse 34. Luke 23, beginning at verse 34. <clears throat> Sorry, let's start at verse 33. And when they had come to the place called Calvary, there they crucified him, and the criminals, one on the right hand and the other on the left. After they've done all that they've done to Jesus, how they've humiliated him, how they've beat him, how they put the crown of thorns on his head, how they spit on his face, as we learn from the Old Testament, they pluck out hairs of his beard, apparently. After they put the, the purple robe on him and mocked him and bowed the knee to him, had that reed in his hand and they took that reed off and smote him on the head with it. After they made him carry his cross, after they hung him there and put the, this is the king of the Jews over his head to mock him, as uh, the psalmist would say, as they would all wag their head at him and stare at him and ridicule him and say, he said he was the son of God, let's see if God will take care of him now. Come down from the cross. All the things they did for him. And then they shamed him by crucifying him between two thieves. 
put him there with the thieves just like he was as bad as any criminal that ever had walked this earth. And he's hanging there, look at verse 34, then Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. Rather than that's perfection, isn't it? That's maturity. That's completeness. And that's what we need to be striving for. Are we following Jesus' example? That's not easy, is it? Not when somebody's done you wrong, and when they even may have tried to do you wrong, to bless them, to do kindness towards them. It's not easy. We need to make sure that we're following Jesus' instruction. Many Christians have trouble loving their enemies, and we need to do better than that. I want to tell you something else. It's not shocking that many Christians have trouble loving their enemies because, sadly, many Christians have trouble loving their brethren. I can't, be nice for my, can't even be nice to my brethren. One slight for my brother or my sister, and I'm done with them. They didn't say anything nice about my new dress that I'm wearing. I'm done with them. I don't think they like me. We'll show them. Perfect Christians, mature Christians, are able to love even their enemies. And finally tonight, perfect Christians and mature Christians are still growing. And this may seem somewhat ironic and counterintuitive, that when we say that we're going to be perfect or complete or mature, full-grown Christians, to say that perfect Christians are still growing. But that's exactly what the Bible says. Look at Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3, beginning in verse 13. Philippians 3, beginning in verse 13. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth into those things which are before. I press for the mark of the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Let therefore as many of us as be perfect be thus minded. Paul says that he's not where he needs to be yet. He says he's forgetting the things that are past and he's pressing forward. He's going on. He's growing. He's striving to do better and better. And he says, you know what? Everybody that's perfect needs to have that attitude. Everybody who is mature, who has been a Christian for 127 years, needs to have this attitude that he's going to mature and perfect Christian understands the room for growth. And that growth may be in the things that we've talked about tonight, maybe in the way that I use my tongue, maybe in the way that I treat my enemy, maybe in my knowledge of the Scriptures. I'm going to be open to the fact that there is room for me to grow if I'm a mature Christian. A mature Christian is still growing and understands the need for that growth. Perfect mature Christians are able to know and properly apply God's Word. They're steadfast in the service of the Lord. They're capable of controlling the tongue. They're able to even love their enemies. And they're still growing. We need to make sure that we're dedicated to this. Tonight, I'd like to leave you with one passage from Matthew chapter 19. Matthew 
and ask you what is standing in your way. As you look at your life and you see areas that need improvement and growth, what is standing in your way? Look at Matthew chapter 19. In Matthew chapter 19, let's begin reading verse 16 in Matthew 19, the story of the rich young ruler. The rich young ruler came to Jesus and he wanted to be right with Jesus. He wanted to be uh, pleasing to God. Look at Matthew chapter 19, beginning verse 16. Now behold, one came and said to him, Good teacher, what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? So he said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good but one, that is God. But if you want to enter into life, keep the commandments. He said to him, Which ones? Jesus said, You should not murder, you should not commit adultery, you should not steal, you should not bear false witness. Honor your father and your mother, and you, yourse- uh, and love- you shall love your neighbor as yourself. The young man said to him, All these things I have kept from my youth, what do I still lack? Look at verse 21. Jesus said to him, if you want to be perfect, go sell what you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come follow me. But when the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Jesus says, you're not complete. You're not mature because of one thing. This man's problem was he had too much love for his possessions. What's your problem? What's my problem? What's standing in the way of us being perfect or complete? What do we need to give up? What do we need to do in order to be pleasing to God? If we want to be mature Christians, if we want to be complete and perfect, we need to see those things in our lives that are standing between us and where we ought to be, and we ought to be willing to get rid of them. We ought to be willing to do whatever it takes so that we can do what the Hebrew writer says in Hebrews chapter 6, verse 1. Let us go on to perfection. What about you tonight? Are you striving to be that mature and complete Christian that God wants you to be? Are you striving to grow and be what God would have us all to be? If there's something that we can do to help you with that tonight, will you let us know while we stand and sing?